Welcome back to another weekly episode of Fret Buzz the Podcast. This week we'll be tuning in to part two of Bass and Jam Bands with Randy Nicholas. The song you're hearing right now is Good Vibes by our guest host, Randy Nicholas. In today's episode, we're going to get into the bass guitar and some teaching styles. We're also going to get into a little bit of some far out there ideas of how while performing, you can kind of get a little outside yourself. And we also get into a little bit of how music therapy can help heal us. If you do like the show, head on over to iTunes and give us a review. Let everybody know why you like the show. And if you have any suggestions for a guest host, head on over to fretbuzzthepodcast.com. Click on the old contacts page there and write us a line. Let us know uh, who you're thinking about and we'll check to see if they're a good fit for the show. Plus, if you have any feedback that you'd like to give us or just let us know how we're doing, we would really love to hear from you. If you know any other fellow musicians that would enjoy the show, uh, share this with them. Let them know that we're out there. And um, yeah, thank you. So yeah, sit back, relax. Enjoy the conversation between myself, Joe, and Randy on Fret Buzz, the podcast. I want to get more into your mind about, like, actually playing the bass. Like, your thought process in, you know, say you're playing in a jam band and you've got, I guess I want to know two things. If you've got a, a simple chord progression, what's your, how do you approach a bass line? Yeah. Based yeah. on the chords or based on you know pentatonics around the the key of the song or yeah. a mixture yeah. of both yeah and i've got it, that written down as well ah, cool yep it's, so, it's this idea of especially for gar- guitarists because guitarists when they write a bass line it's not a bass line now now uh keyboard players can write really mean bass lines though. Mm-hmm. yes but uh i mean some guitar players can too uh but for me i think it's it's dependent on the style, but if we're talking like the jam music, you know, kind of dancey, which again, we say jam music, that's such like a wide thing to say because mm-hmm. it seriously, it could be swing jazz. It could be like almost metal, like Umphreys, like it could be anything, but I think it's very, it's all focused on the groove. Like, especially the simpler, the progression, then I focus way more on the rhythm that I'm hitting. And, uh, cause often with pitch I've found, especially with, you know, if it's a, a sort of typical setup, which I would call a t- typical setup, like a keyboardist and a guitar player, you know, I want to stay out of people's ranges. Um, right. And I don't want to, honestly, I don't want to lose people in, because it's really easy when you're jamming, you know, and you're improvising to just get lost in like just shredding. Um, <laughs> it really, I mean, it really is. It, it, kids do it, you know, when they're learning and they're, they're like, oh, I learned my pentatonic skill and, you know, you see them jamming, they're just going up and down the pentatonic scale and they're, you know, they're not focused on the rhythm and stuff, um, which is great. You need to explore to figure that kind of stuff out. Yeah. But for me, I've, I've found that it is so hardcore about what rhythms I'm playing uh, as opposed to what notes. And as long as I'm sort of like, I'm, I'm super happy playing the root and the fifth, but mm-hmm. in a different pattern, you know what I mean? Like um, you said like a D Dorian, right? Yeah. So like if you had you know like minor seven to like the G seven kind of typical mm-hmm. thing, uh, I think to me it just depends on what the drummer's doing, and then I'm going off of that, and I'm trying to make it as groovy as possible. So are you trying to match the kick drum? Are you trying to stay out of you know kind of not play at the same time as certain hits to fill the gaps? Yeah, yeah. I think it's really just a feel thing because you're making it up on the spot. Like a lot of times, like even songs that like we had like rehearsed, I almost never played anything the same. Like for example, with Broccoli Samurai, um, or just when I go do anything, you got to add your flavor. Right. Um, But I will. Let's. I mean, okay. So I'm gonna use this example. A lot of a lot of jam music is very right. It's very or on the floor, like dance beat kind of stuff. So with that, I don't have to match crap. Yeah. I can play every offbeat if I want, as long as I'm, you know, probably hitting on the one, um, just like Bootsy said. 
Um, but I'll, I'll play around with that because a lot of times, you know, drummers sort of, uh, they either love it or they hate it. I've noticed like some drummers are just like, oh, God, I got to play the dance beat again. But some mm-hmm. drummers are more than happy because it's simple and they can do so many other things, you know. Um, I always yeah. saw that as an opportunity for me to like, okay, sweet, this is totally open for me to create whatever groove I want now. Mm-hmm. Like as long as I'm hitting on the one and maybe not even every time, people, as long as people can find that and they can, you know, keep feeling like they can dance, that's just mm-hmm. what's important, like in, as far as that goes. Um, so, yeah. Okay. No, that's cool. I mean, if you were focusing on the rhythm, seems like sounds like the kind of thing you would hear from Victor Wooten. He's that's, always stressing yeah. the importance of of the groove. I think chapter one in his book, The Music Lesson, is the groove. Yeah, like, yeah. It doesn't matter what notes you play; you need to play in time. Yeah, I mean, my teacher. Um, I had a super dope teacher. He's uh, like he's actually a True Fire artist. I don't know if you guys know what like True Fire TV is. Mm-hmm. Um, his name's Maurice Arenas and he's, you know, traveled and been studio and done live stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I think he actually learned from the same guys, Joe Cipriani too. Uh, but he, I learned from him privately for about eight years and mm-hmm. he was so, so hammering on me about, you know, rhythm, 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 rhythms, everything. And I'd be like, how do I sound like this guy? Rhythm. How do I sound like this rhythm? Okay. Right. But what notes are you playing? He's like, the notes don't matter. Just practice your scales but you need to be focused on the rhythm, you know? Yeah. And then eventually it sort of just collides. Like when you, you know, you have your theory knowledge, but then you have your rhythm knowledge and like, yep. so, like it didn't make sense for a very long time. And then one day I was, you know, starting to play out and especially play like a lot of jazz and then it clicked and I was like, Oh wow. Like now I just know what notes to play. And mm-hmm. it's more about where to put them, you know, mm-hmm. cause space can be really important um it just depends you know i mean if you want to sound like a uh the sub you know synthy bass you know no space is important um so i just think i think i think more about rhythm uh than anything and i that's a that's a harder thing to grasp too just because it's kind of based on how you feel and you know what can your fingers do you know like in your right hand um or if you use a pick you know how Mm -hmm. fast you move it uh how syncopated of a groove can you can you really play and that all just came from these rhythm exercises. Like I had a huge rhythm book given to me that I never made it all the way through, but I want to one day, but I made it all, <laughs> <laughs> it all the way through. And I mean, I would take like drum exercises too and just mm-hmm. try to like use them like on my right hand. And, you know, thinking about a guy like Jaco or Victor, you know, they do some things that are so crazy that like people are like, wow, that sounds like so many notes, but it's, it's only three notes, you know, but right. they're like, 80 different rhythms you know yeah yeah Yeah. the other thing that i that i I will say for everybody in the audience and joe is having played with randy in the past he is a sick drummer like Uh, really good like (laughs) beyond the point where you're like yeah that guy can play drums no 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 randy can play the drums (laughs) like you're really good so you have that advantage in terms of being able to think like a drummer Right. And then being able to apply it to the bass as well. Um, right. And then from my kind of where I was going to go uh, from that is, is that from my experience is that it's kind of interesting that working with so many musicians over the, the past, it, whether they've been my students or just people that I've played with, it seems as though the bassist or the drummer is the one who always takes up multi instruments it's the you know the piano usually plays the piano or the the guitarist usually just plays the guitar and he can play some drums or something like that but it's always the freaking bassist and it's always the freaking drummer that's like yeah i'm really good at everything right (laughs) what the the hell (laughs) (laughs) that uh rhythm section mindset i don't know it is it is it really is yeah i mean for me actually uh i picked up drums first so Mm -hmm. uh my brother tyler he was me and him had a band like that was the first thing we ever did with music um in high school yeah i remember uh just gonna get a little nostalgic for a second i remember when i very first time i ever wanted to even play um i was kind of like getting out of playing sports when i was young and i was trying to figure out what i was like good at and like in middle school i just you know felt out of place my brother every day would shred the drums 
and he was just naturally really good at it. <clears throat> but I looked at it as like, man, it's so annoying. I'm trying to play Xbox, dude. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and one day I went down and I was like, hey, man, so you should show me something. And he did. He just taught me, you know, a right, like a regular beat. Didn't tell me how to hold the sticks. Didn't, you know, just sort of let me go free. And uh, I could not get up. I skipped school like the next couple days. <laughs> I mean, I just literally was like, mom, I'm sick. And she was like, oh, okay, you know. And I like would do stuff like I'd get up and do jumping jacks real quick and then get into the bed. So I had like a hot feeling head, you know, my mom was like, <laughs> oh, you definitely have a fever. And I'm like, I got drum fever. Like, awesome. I'm full in, man. I'm full in. That's right. awesome. Because, you know, everyone was gone during the day. I got to practice all day. So within a week, like I was like kind of playing. Um, I just knew how I wanted to sound and I just worked my way to it. I really learned through just like having a pair of headphones and uh, at the time an iPod. And I just was trying to copy whatever I heard. And then uh, we met this kid, Corey, at high school. Me and him became friends and he happened to play guitar. And I was like, man, you know, what are we missing here? Oh, duh, bass. Like, I guess I'll play bass, you know, because that's kind of how to me, like any rock bass player, or a bass player with like a primarily rock background um, kind of gets started. It's just like, well, I play drums. I play guitar. Well, I play both of those, but I guess I'll settle for bass. And then that was when it was like, oh, no, like I don't even need to worry because nobody else plays bass. So this is what I'm going to get good at. This is awesome. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so drums is definitely my passion too, just because like I remember after the band with, with my brother in it, like trying to find a drummer that was as good as him was impossible. Right. Um just at the time because we were so young so i was just like well i guess i'll just get really good at it so i can like keep writing my own music and um and then eventually it came to the point where like trying to find drummers in bands that i was in i was like you have to be better than me and i'm the bass player <laughs> yeah. So, yeah yeah very fun yeah no and it, it, yeah like i said going back to where we originally were started in terms of writing for bass I'm sure you have a lot of that going in your mind in terms of what the drummer's actually doing and how you can play off of what he's doing and anticipate some of his moves, actually. Yeah, yeah, that's another cool thing um, I noticed is with with drummers, you know, like you said, anticipating their moves is a really cool feeling. Um, and yeah, writing, writing parts and stuff, it, it helps a lot just to anyone listening, like if you play, um, you know, bass, you're essentially playing drums, like, and vice versa because people think bass is a very pitch instrument but that's why going back to what we were talking about earlier to me it's a very rhythm instrument like it's very percussive um mm. you know you don't even need any notes except for that root you know if you right. root on that root jesus from lettuce is a really good example um they have a song i think it's a cover song it's it's called do it like you do mm -hmm. and his bass line is literally one note and he just keeps this nasty stanky groove to it <sighs> the whole time he never changes the note like the whole studio recording is just a d on the bass and he just does that the whole time and i'm like man first of all like nobody i know would be satisfied because we would get bored <laughs> like mm -hmm. attention span is not you know it's just like oh my god i gotta do something else like let me just throw a c in there real quick <laughs> <laughs> right right yeah. i actually um, do that with a lot of my my students when i'm teaching them to improvise from the beginning like here's your a minor pentatonic box whatever and i'm gonna play a groove and i want you to just i want you to improvise using one note and then i let them use two oh that's and i let them use the the notes on the B, the on the guitar, the B string, and they right. can only use those two. And then I let them use all four of those notes on the high E and Whoa. the B strings. And it's a great way to like, like, I'll show them the whole pentatonic box, but I do not focus on, especially the lower notes until they've they can groove with a few notes. Hmm, that's I a never, really. I never yeah. thought of it as a baseline, but it is the same concept. Oh, totally. I mean, uh, yeah, and I mean, I th I feel like it's just used a little differently i mean it depends on what you're what you're trying to do though because like um wow that's a really good idea i've never thought about that before i'm yeah. using that with my students so yeah because like i've taught guitar too um mm -hmm. and i remember showing them the box you know and 
as soon as you show them something on that low E string, that's always where they start when they're starting to improvise. Yeah. yeah. You know, and they're working their way up. But it's like, you know, play where you want to play. Like, as a guitar player, I mean, to me, at least when I pick up a guitar, there's like a certain range that I just which I don't know, you guys are guitar players, but there's a certain range that I see like to solo in, I guess. Uh, yeah. But, I, you know, and it was always hard to get those students to like kind of climb up the neck. They always want to stay down low, but I'm like, you're not playing bass, man. And even yeah. if you are, like I've started uh, just making my students do a similar thing. Like when they learn a scale, I make them learn it on one string and be able to play it all the way up. Right. Mm-hmm. Only using, you know, their index finger to really try and, because technique is a really big thing for me too. I'm mm-hmm. kind of harsh about it and I've probably lost a couple of students from it in the past. I've learned to like be a little gentler with beginners. <laughs> <laughs> it does drive you crazy though. When you're like, you're developing a bad habit. Yep. Just, just do uh, what I'm saying. Yep. Right. And it's like also just practice. But uh <laughs> yeah. You know. yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> practices. I mean, I was a terrible student when I was younger, so I know, you know, where they're coming from. But after teaching for so long, it's just like, you know, you think this feels funny, but if you just do it over and over and over and are willing to suck, you will get it, like, essentially. And I think that's a big thing with bass, um, which I've noticed a lot of people sort of skip out on, uh, either as a student or as the teacher, and I'm still kind of learning even how to explain it because some people don't really get it. Um, but just how to like, you know, not squeeze, you know, like you gently, you know, use your fingertips and stop mm-hmm. the flying fingers. Similar to guitar, it's just, you know, it's bigger. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot yeah. of a lot of times, you know, you want to play on that low end of the neck. And when you go there, it's you see people just, you know, your hand just naturally wants to do whatever it takes to play that note, but it's like, dude, you're going to like tear a ligament or something. Well, I think a lot of that comes from the, you know, the beginning years, you're really trying to get the strength behind your fingers in terms of being able to actually press down and get that tone out of that string. But, but as you grow as a player, you always need to keep in mind. And I don't think teachers actually like teach this is, is that as you grow as a player, you're naturally going to gain that strength in that finger. You don't have to keep on working on the strength because then you actually almost have to approach it like you were just saying as the opposite where you just need enough pressure where you're pressing the the string just so it's making contact with the fret. So ultimately when you're playing the guitar or the bass, you're almost playing it effortlessly because there really is no like pressure in your left hand it it should be loose it should be like very easy to play with your left hand uh, and you shouldn't have to squeeze it's it's just very light light touching almost like like on a keyboard you're just kind of touching the 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 keys yeah and i mean you know sometimes that kind of comes with the quality of the instrument or well yes yeah the action and whatnot right i was gonna say a lot of times i've i mean i've seen guys that can that can play but then they picked up my bass and they're just like, whoa, dude, I can fly. And I'm like, well, let me see yours. And they're, you know, you can stick a, a pencil underneath of their string. And I'm like, whoa, mm-hmm. you know, do, do you know how to adjust this? And they're like, no. So I'm like, you know, it took a lot of people to decide. And I'm like, it's so easy. I learned from YouTube and Google. Right. Like, you know, and actually I broke one of my old guitars. It was cheap, thank God. But I just over tightened the truss rod so much. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. And then I learned, you know, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. I feel like that has a lot to do with it, but that that's a very important thing to me in my playing. And I, nothing makes my day more than when someone comes up to me and is like, I couldn't even tell you were playing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that makes me happy. Yeah. There was a teacher that I, that, that used to teach at our school and every so often he'd pick up my guitar and play and he's like, Oh dude, it's out of tune. And I'm like, no, 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 don't, don't, don't touch my tuning pegs. <laughs> like <laughs> you're, you're just not playing the guitar right. You're you're squeezing the heck out of the guitar, like just lightly. My guitar is perfectly in tune. You touch my tune pegs, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> like, just yeah. Go light. You mash the the strings. I don't know why why you would do that, but my gosh. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mean, you know, strap height too. I've noticed. Uh, oh my gosh, yes. And Maurice, you know, I praise him. And honestly, I learned a lot from you too, Aaron, when I when I worked with you, because mm. um, you guys are kind of like some some gurus to me. Uh, oh, thank you. Yeah, I feel the same way about Aaron. Yeah, I mean, they have similar <laughs> relationship. Yeah, good. Um, but yeah, like I learned, like you know, again, 
rock and roll background. Yep. And you start with the thing hanging at your knees. Yep. And you got to bend your wrists and you look like a T-Rex that's trying to play the instrument, you know? And, they, you know, I always tell my students, like, okay, do you see how you're playing? Now bend your wrist and try to move your fingers. And it's really hard. And I'm like, now straighten it out, you know, and you move your fingers and you can move freely. Um, yeah. Stuff like that. Like, that's on it. Honestly, that stuff is probably running through my mind when I'm playing more than like the notes and stuff i'm actually playing i'm just like am i using proper technique is my teacher here like if he's watching me right now i hope he's proud <laughs> right right because you are playing a show for three hours and you want to make sure at the end of the three hours you're you're feeling good because if you're if you're not if you're not doing correct posture and if you're not thinking about how you're approaching the guitar or the bass by the end of those three hours you're going to be hurting and then by the way you have another show tomorrow night right. <laughs> right. and not only that but you're driving so you're pretty much just in a van so you're not getting up and moving there's not a right. lot of blood flow you know through your body yep. um, if you're not driving you're sleeping in an uncomfortable position in a seat or on a thing. And yep. With um, four other smelly dudes. <laughs> and sometimes a dog. Uh, yeah, yeah. Our drummer's dog pepper on tour. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Honestly, it was the most stress relieving thing. It's like, I'm just going to say, I bet you that was like the best thing you guys could have done. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was definitely cool. But yeah, it's, it's like that. And I think uh, a lot of people just kind of, you know, they don't, you know, if you don't think about those kinds of things, it's like, how, well, how serious do you want to take this? You know, even if it's just playing at your house, you know, don't you want to be able to play for the rest of your life? And like, mm -hmm. that's kind of the stuff like Maurice really instilled into me. You know, he's like, man, even if you don't become a musician, like you, you want to have this skill that you can do forever. Cause it's, mm -hmm. it's honestly the most fun thing that there is to do, you know, maybe besides like sleep sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's true, man. Something yeah. that you would take with you forever. Right. A lot of guitarists or musicians get uh, lower back problems and things mm. from sitting incorrectly while they practice. For Leaning over, man. There was this oh kid. There was, oh, man. I had the student this week. I'm looking at him and he's got his he's got his hair over his face and he's leaning down the entire time I'm like dude you gotta you gotta stop hunching over and looking at your fretboard like i i try to teach all of my students that when they part of practicing is is like just lay down on your bed or whatever it is but turn out the lights like just uh, completely turn off the lights or close your eyes and don't look at your instrument feel it mm -hmm. don't don't look at it. You're going to kill your neck, but right. just, and then beyond that, the most important part is, is like, you just feel the music. You, you, it's not so much about what you're doing with your fingers and looking at them where they, I mean, yeah, there's that part of it. Yes. But you definitely want to strive for that point of your musicianship where you don't have to look at your fingers. You can right. just kind of feel the notes behind underneath you and just kind of think about what's going on and anticipate your movements. And, and like Tony has said in the past, you know, Try to go through that part, that part of like audiating what you're going to play and maybe a sing it. Uh, I just watched a lesson with um, Adam Neely um, oh, yeah. and how he uh, he was sitting with this female and how they were just kind of, you know, they'd sing a line. And as they were singing the line, they would actually play with it as they were singing it, kind of like what Jimi Hendrix would used to do. He'd you know mm -hmm. sing a line and he'd play along with it. Um that's extremely important because you're thinking about the notes. You're not thinking about your technique. Yeah, That's part of practice is practicing your technique, but you have to go beyond that. You have to think about the note value and how it sounds. And you know, it, that it's, yeah. it's really cool. I couldn't agree more, man. I make all my students <clears throat> play with the lights off and I can tell when they haven't been because yeah. in the room, they're like yeah. breaking their neck to try and look at the note. Um, but yeah. And another big thing, with me is playing in front of the mirror or oh. I mean, now that we have, you know, computers in our pockets, like recording yourself because mm -hmm. you need that, that outer angle. Um, and people are so scared to do it because they don't want to look at themselves. But mm -hmm. like, I, I mean, I was at first too, but I remember, Oh, it's probably like my third lesson with Maurice. And I honestly was so intimidated by that guy. Cause he was, he was the best teacher I'd ever had and yeah. the hardest one. And he was just like trying to explain to me what I was doing wrong. It, the first thing we went over was my technique because I really thought I knew what I was doing when I went in there. And he was very quick to be like, no, nah, you can be way better. And here's how. And he kept trying to explain it to me, but I was having trouble getting it because I'm more of a visual learner. And so he drug in this like seriously, like a full 
body mirror and put it right in front of me and it was a pretty small studio so it was it kind of weirded me out <laughs> but uh I was like, what are you doing like this mirror he's like you're gonna play in front of it for the next half hour like everything you play you're gonna you're gonna stare at your hands via the mirror stop looking at your hands and you know you're gonna wear your strap higher and stuff like that um and so I started uh, doing that with my students too. I remember I, I freaked this one kid out really bad. I brought in a mirror and he like went and told his parents and I was like, no, 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 no. This isn't weird. Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want him to look at his hands and they were like, oh, no, I don't know. We don't trust you. Yeah. So that kid ended up never coming back. But a lot of <laughs> funny as shit. <laughs> it's so funny. They were like, what are you, you're a weirdo. What are you doing with our child? <laughs> I don't know it's a mirror right 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 i'm trying to teach your kid that's what i'm trying to do yeah it was pretty funny dude <laughs> but uh yeah i think that's uh the singing thing too that's such a huge thing for me uh especially when it comes to improvising because like joe asked earlier um what am i thinking about or something when i'm improvising like how to kind of get out of the box um of course, like practicing your out of the box things, you know, like everyone learns their seven modes. Mm -hmm. um, but how often do we go outside of those? You know, um, like I, I checked out this bass player. His name's Robert Bobby Lewis, and he's amazing. He he tours with so many A-list people like he 21 years old. I think he did his first tour with like Snoop Dogg. Um, but yeah, and oddly, but oddly enough, you know, this guy is the guy that you see shredding on uh mtd seven strings and stuff like in his baby right. you know what i mean um which of those are those are the touring guys of course that's like who i follow on instagram a lot is like um i don't know if you guys have heard of mono neon oh uh, yeah absolutely like that guy's phenomenal yeah um, what he does with people's vocal patterns is like what are you how oh wow <laughs> next level and yeah. i mean that's another guy i try to sound like for sure but the singing thing really helped uh me get good at improvising because i had a period where i was like 18 19 i had just gotten with maurice and i was learning to read from a private teacher at uh, the community college i went to school for uh for music for it. and then i was also like in jazz ensemble it was just like all this new stuff happening at once and a lot of it was very improvised based because they just threw chord charts in front of me and i'm like what do i do with these like you don't play chords on a bass you know right right you know, then I learned that you actually do, you know, it's like arpeggios and, you you know, sometimes I could actually play like a, a chord, like an actual, you know, three note chord, like at once. Yeah. Um, so that was pretty cool. But the singing thing really helped. I do that every time, every show, even if it's a, even if it's a tight baseline that's prepared or if I'm making something up or if I take a solo, I'm always singing it, mm. you, you know, you'll like um a lot of times people are like oh man i saw your like mouth moving are you talking to someone while you're playing and i'm like no i try not to do that i'm talking to my, <laughs> talking to my bass <laughs> <Telling it. laughs> yeah yeah so yeah it's cool that you guys bring this stuff up you know say honestly it's cool uh i love getting into the minds of the musicians and then finding out how similarly everyone really thinks no matter what instrument you play or mm -hmm. what style you're into yeah yeah it's so it's we that's what we try to do here. <laughs> yeah. There's so yeah. many, there's so many sources to like go and you get, you know, guitar lessons and bass lessons on YouTube and everywhere, but it's rare that you find people who actually dig in and, and get, you know, deeper than the surface level. Here's how to play this song. I mean, there are, there are a few people out there doing it, but we try to, we just want to hit everything from every angle and, yeah, you know, I agree. And um, that's actually something I'm working on right now. Um, uh, so obviously, you guys know, I'm my brand is like Bass Bandicoot. Yeah, I was just going to say, tell us a little more about Bass Bandicoot. Okay. So first of all, I love that name. Yeah. yeah. Do you guys know Crash Bandicoot? Oh, yeah. 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 My favorite game. Cool. Up. Um, and <laughs> I got told that I have this crash bandicoot like stature because i have like big feet and i wear shoes just like that and i used to rock jeans and like puff them up um so i was i was always pretending i was crash bandicoot so i don't know that name was fun <laughs> everywhere i go people are like that's such a dope name so i just kept it i was like cool 
Um, but I didn't really even know what to do with it before Broccoli Slammer. I was kind of just learning like really about social media and the internet and how you can really utilize that. Mm. Uh, but it was a slow going process, you know, the music work, uh, life balance, you know, it was kind of difficult at the time cause I was younger and I just did, I was just thinking like, wow, all this has been in front of me. I really need to utilize this. Like I can tap into millions of people as opposed to just, you know, the 40 or 60 I teach or whatever, like in person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, so I started, you know, doing a couple covers for YouTube, which is actually how I ended up really getting the broccoli gig. Cause you know, when you have stuff to show people that helps a lot. Um, yeah. yeah. And you know, uh, so the bass bandicoot brand is first of all, I produce music like electronically. Um, I do it for like hip hop artists. Um, and the goal is to try and push it to get licensed out to film and, um, TV and, Honestly, anything, anything people want music for the real dream is video games. Cause I've always had a passion for video game music. Yeah. Uh, and I spend at least one day a week during practice, like trying to learn a video game song just cause the compositions are so awesome. Yeah, they are like, especially like to me, like Nintendo stuff is always really like honestly captured my soul and like it can make you feel a certain way. And you don't think about it when you're playing the video game. But when you go back, like, you know, or you hear someone else playing it, you're like, oh, you're hit with like such a crazy memory of your childhood or whatever, <laughs> it is, you know, wherever you were. It's the yeah. same. I mean, it's just music has that power. So that's that's really cool to me because I love video games and I love video game music. Have so, you seen that that cover of the guy playing Super Mario's theme on like a it's got it's a bass with a ton of strings? Oh, no, maybe. I'm not it's, sure. It was a while ago that I saw that like years ago. Mm. But that's the thing oh, check I, it out it's awesome I know what you're talking about and he makes like the little coin noises and stuff like yeah. that yeah <laughs> i gotta learn to do that <laughs> yeah but, so <laughs> music production um and i'm working on my own solo stuff right now too like mm-hmm. uh be releasing two albums come i'm shooting for the end of february um but one is going to be actually funny enough hip-hop uh, mm-hmm. all produced by me and i'm gonna do all the vocals on it too because actually like writing and rapping is kind of a passion of mine mm-hmm. uh, you know which people are like oh you know pro eminem you're the white guy but like I, I i just it's all my like poetry and stuff like that i've journalized about you know my feelings when i was going through a struggle or when i saw, saw somebody else going through a struggle i always got that inspiration and you know how to write it down that's the best outlet i think um to do that. And I, I really like the idea of speaking to people and trying to like inspire them uh, because, you know, life is hard. And honestly, there's a, the darkest things going on are going on in your brain. And so like, you know, if you, you know, reach out and connect with people, like find someone who's gone through the same crap as you. Yeah. Um, so that, and then the other one is just going to be an album of my quote unquote, what I'm going to call video game music. Mm-hmm. Like, uh i'm very inspired by snarky puppy right now oh like, yeah oh man i'm obsessed They're so cool yeah and i mean that's another guy michael league uh he's their bass player and he's ridiculously good and he composes like all that music and when i found him i was like oh man like i want to do that now like this is so cool so i've been working on that um for a while it's gonna it's gonna take probably a little longer to get that one together but the hip-hop one is gonna come out uh in february for sure Cool. And then uh the but the I think my my favorite thing that I'm working on is these online music lessons. You know, you guys brought that up. And uh I don't want to be the guy like that, you know, says, here's how to play this song. Um I wanna like kind of get in depth uh and if, you know, if people are interested, hopefully like get into the philosophy of music as well as like here's how to play it, uh here's what to look for. Because with those, you know. If you just tell someone how to play it, they're just gonna go home and do it. And but they might again, you know, not be knowing what to look for, like technique-wise, like we were talking about earlier. Um, so you know, kind of break it down as simply as possible for people. Uh, you know what to look for when you're playing this. You know, and then, uh, you know, I don't want to just. I actually really want to write a book too. I want to yeah. make. Yeah, I've been I've been writing one, but it's just scattered pages not even in the same notebook but i've been compiling it and compiling it for like the past two years um it's just with like it's it's 
to learn bass, but it's also to like understand the being willing to suck is is the most important thing like yeah you know because a lot of people like i'm a perfectionist i'm sure you guys feel that you know when you started music you just like get so pissed off and frustrated when you can't get it right mm-hmm. and a lot of people give up like you know right away because they just don't think they can do it but we all have the musical bone in our body for sure and i think it's important to tap into that because um i just uh I've, I remember teaching like a lot of kids that were very underprivileged and they had broken homes, you know, and like some of them didn't even have uh, one parent or both parents or a place to live sometimes, like stuff like that. And it's like, you know, well, I can't buy you a house and I can't give you a parent, but what I can give you is this thing to like distract yourself that you'll have for the rest of your life that you can learn so much stuff with. Um wow. To me, that's like a really, I just think the whole world needs to try to learn music because it just makes you appreciate it so much more. And it is honestly like the only thing besides, I guess, like sex or drugs that is like a mystical kind of experience, you know, like that gives just this insane feeling that you can't get anywhere else. Yeah. It's very, Um, it's very therapeutic. You can learn about yourself through it uh, a lot. Um, and like you just said, I, I just had a a group of boy scouts come through, uh, my studio, uh, and I had to teach them about the whole recording process and how we make music. And one of the last points I made to them is it's like, you know, being on stage or, or creating music with fellow musicians, your buddies, you know, up on stage, there is no other feeling that encapsulates that in any way whatsoever. Oh no. Being able to be on stage and creating in front of a crowd that's engaged with you, there's this like thing that happens that's unexplainable. (laughs) My heart's exploding sometimes. Yeah. Like it's a euphoric. It's completely euphoric. Yeah. Sometimes out of body. It is out of body. A lot of times I like for I completely lose touch with reality in the yes. middle of a guitar solo, I and I will come. I like finish, and I like I'll look around. I'm like, oh my god, where am? I? Yes, <laughs> it's so true. Yeah, yeah. It is. that hit me on tour so many times. Like the hardest it's ever hit me too, just because like you know the rooms were bigger than I'd ever been in, and the the crowds were bigger. And honestly, you know, not knowing the band, like especially the first like couple weeks with them. Yeah, you know, I remember just hitting in the groove and just being like, wow, this is the best band I've ever been in. And I forget the bands there. I forget the crowds there. I forget we're even at the venue. Yeah. And I'm so in the groove. And then I like open my eyes, which I've learned. Don't close your eyes. When <laughs> because people are going to try and signal you like, hey, we're going to this part. Hey, you got to be looking at me, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah. even like with my eyes open, it's just like a veil is like pulled over them. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I'm, I love that feeling, man. That is an exhilarating one, and I yeah. think people should feel that. There's a lot of mundanity in the world, uh, and I don't know. People are like, "Wow, that's so cool!" And like, you know, it takes a lot of work to get to that euphoric feeling. Oh yeah, absolutely it's really worth it. Yeah. yeah, I I'll never forget. There was one time where I was on stage, and I was just totally in my zone. I had no idea of where i was um and i remember coming out of it and it already had happened mm-hmm. but i came to it where the microphone was being ripped off of the front stage by a crowd member there was a fight that was going on oh. in, the, in the in the front and it, it had already like gone down everything had finished and the end result was like the one guy was just, I mean, he was plastered drunk, but he got up on stage and ripped the microphone and actually ripped the, the actual cable out of the XLR. And, oh, man. and I'm like, what, what's going on? I was just playing guitar, man. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. So yeah, you, you absolutely lose yourself. 100%. It's, oh, yeah. you have no idea what's going on. Man. So I want to go the opposite. I actually play, I play at retirement homes a lot to, uh, <laughs> to kind of stop. and it is going down tonight, man. Trees <laughs> at a retirement home, and they would just be like, "What is this?" <laughs> no, no. I mean, I I do it. I enjoy doing it, and it's a it supplements my income. Oh yeah, but it's the act. It, I've actually experienced a lot of the opposite effects. It's interesting that as a player, you can lose yourself, but with especially. 
elderly people with um, memory, um, oh, memory loss, you know, uh, Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's, uh, dementia. Mm. A lot of times they will be, they will look like they're in the middle of a guitar solo. And then you start playing an old song that they <laughs> remember from their youth or when they were yeah. younger. And it's like the clarity comes over and you see their eyes kind of come to and they'll start singing. And it's an incredible, like right. the power of music to lose yourself and the power of music to find yourself in right. when wow. you have memory loss. It's, they're serious. Like people have professions where they do music therapy and they oh, yeah. go to you know, retirement homes and they'll sit down and play music for these old folks with memory loss that sometimes can get a little hostile towards their caretakers or, mm-hmm. yep. you know, they're depressed or whatever it is. And music can really bring people back. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, my grandma, uh, she actually died of Alzheimer's a couple of years ago. And I remember like, hey, hey, Oh, it's okay, man. Um, you know, death's just a unfortunate part of life, but I learned a lot through that. And I remember while I was helping her, I was like reading these books. Um, there's a really good one called The Ravenous Mind. And it's written by a neuroscientist whose dad had Alzheimer's. And he started utilizing the power of music. And his dad played piano and stuff. Um, and I just read an article the other day about how uh, people with memory loss, uh, often the only thing they will remember is music. Like, or music will spring their memories back, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I remember with my grandma, like I was sitting with her one day and uh, she had an old record player and I, you know, she didn't even know who I was, but she'd always just be like, oh, what a nice young man you are. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, so She was fun though. She, she yeah. never, because uh, you know, some people get very like mean or angry. Yes, of course they, they don't do. mean it, but, um, but some people are just very nice. But like you said, it's almost like they look like they're in the middle of a guitar solo, kind of, you know, they're just sort of foggy. They're sort of floating, but then, all of a sudden, you know, like with music, I noticed like I played, uh, I forget what I played for her, but it must have been something that she really knew. And as soon as she heard it, she like, you know, like you said, happened at uh, your gig. Um, you know, it was like the clouds cleared and she just was like, and she looked at me and she said, Randy. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> whoa. She did not know my name for years. You know what I mean? And all of a sudden that like sprung it up. Yeah. She knew exactly who I was. She was telling me about where she first heard this song, you know, and then we listened to the, out to the record. Uh, and, then, you know, she she kind of took a nap and later, of course, went back and she she had no idea who I was again. But it's it's really cool. The power of music, like you guys are saying, that is definitely a very legendary, uh, epic thing. Yeah. And it's pretty cool that humans have figured that out. Yeah. Yeah. It's this universal language, man, that everybody knows. Uh, it's. It's something that connects us all. It's extremely powerful, obviously. Mm. Um, I think more powerful than we know, <laughs> honestly. I think, so I think so too. Yeah. It's funny when you, I, I'll go back to that Victor Wooten book. He, he gets pretty spiritual about music throughout. And he gets like, he's all talking about the energy from the sound waves and, you know, at a molecular level. I think he's like bullshitting a lot of it, but. I think his, he has a valid point though about it, like feeling the music, hmm. but he gets, he gets very into that yeah. spirituality of music. I mean, some of it makes sense. I mean, it's even like this whole, uh, was it uh 440 versus 432 or 434 yeah. argument? Um, I, I get it. Like it yeah. makes sense to me. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. just, it, it just, it's like, uh, okay. I mean, I, I see the argument against it, but I also see the argument for it. And it just kind of makes sense because of all the things that are going on around us that we can't see. Right. And I mean, you can't see music really. Like, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know enough about like the quantum physics world or anything to understand, but I've, I've tried reading, you know, I've spent a lot of late nights just sort of going through things on the internet and trying to see about that spiritual, like kind of crazy connection that music can have with the rest of the universe. Like you mm. said, it does. It just makes sense. I don't know. Um, I don't know if I don't know enough about it, but to me, like anything can really kind of make sense now. I mean, look at our president, 
I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, uh, I think there is a very spiritual connection with music um, and like, a very philosophical one too. Uh, <clears throat> you know, some people would probably call it some hippie jargon or whatever, but I, when I think about it, like, especially just being in so in the zone, you know, like something you have practiced and prepared for forever that, you know, like, like to me, like playing a live show is just exhilarating. It, there's no feeling like when you're really in the zone with your band and you're really nailing your part, you know, or you're making it up and it sounds like it's just so good. And you're just like, you're so proud of yourself in that moment. Uh, that is like a very spiritually uplifting thing. Like, I feel like the equivalent of like, uh, you know, people say they found Jesus. Like that is, I guess, how I would describe like when I am really in the zone on a stage, uh, I feel like that spiritual connection with the whole universe. And I think that's kind of why you leave, you almost leave your body. Like when you're playing it's pretty wild. Yeah. That's what makes us all want to sit in the practice room and, play for practice for hours and hours and hours right yeah i mean it's, it's, a, it's a snowball effect and once yeah. you've tasted that it's like chasing the heroin dragon it's it's like you just can't get enough yeah. yeah yeah i mean i for me when i mean for me when i was younger and i picked up guitar um especially through my late teens it was a very good way for me to just kind of shut the world out and because especially through those years it's very um God, there's a lot of chaos in terms of trying to find out who you are and who your friends are and you're being exposed to more of the world because you know up until 18 you're you're in your little bubble of your world your neighborhood your you know your city and then beyond that it gets to even more and there's all this like outside influence and all these things are oh, you're yeah. trying to find yourself as a human and all these thoughts that are going on and for me guitar was an escape it was yeah. something that just made sense all that just kind of went away um you know i could put pen to paper and write poetry or lyrics or you know, and then apply that to the guitar and just kind of heck, just play a, a G, a C, and a D chord. And I was like, this is perfect. <laughs> I couldn't agree more, man. I mean, to me, it, it, at first it was an escape too, because, you know, middle school and high school are weird, man. Like you said, you're just trying to figure out who you are and you go through a lot of phases, but like, I guess for me, music was the constant, you know, like it didn't mm -hmm. matter who I was friends with. And honestly, it got to the point where I was sort of friends with everybody, but I didn't have any real friends except for my bandmates, you know? Yeah. And then it was like, but you know, you still have to, you still have this inner stuff and like, you kind of have to drown out your thoughts too. Cause you know, as a, as a teenager, they can go to dark places when you well, start in the world for what it is, you know, most, like, most often will. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, especially, you know, like you said, you, you're in this little bubble and that bubble is just ever expanding. And then one day it kind of pops, hopefully, mm -hmm. you know, you're out. It's like, holy shit, the world's freaking awesome, but it's really also really crazy. Yeah. And music is the escape for sure. But then to, for me, it got to the point where it was, a uh, like being able to create spontaneously you know something that doesn't exist and then you play a note and suddenly something now exists there that you can't even see like that's freaking that's freaking magical to me like that that's just crazy to me that we can do that yeah uh, you know i mean you can just knock on the table you know and now i have drums right <laughs> yeah that's it's pretty cool so to me it was always like the creation aspect and then seeing uh, or understanding like people recording like that that's your creation on something forever uh so that, that was a big thing for me too besides the escape which was definitely the number one part yeah if you are interested in recording we've got two episodes out now talking about recording to all our listeners out there we have yeah. uh we have one where aaron and i talk about just basic recording um and then we've got one where we had tines hampton on yeah, two-part uh, episode. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, one of those is out. And both, is both of those. Oh, no, both, both of them. Yeah, no, both are week, okay. Yeah, everything's out. Everything's out. <laughs> so, but uh, Randy, it's been wonderful talking to you. I 
need to talk to you more about bass on a one-on-one situation oh man i'm down dude i, I love get, it i need to get some technique worked out because i i really enjoy it but i need to sometimes i have a hard it's, time physically getting out what's in my head mm. um, oh yeah there's, and that there's yeah, nothing so. like there's there's absolutely nothing like bass man every time i get the chance to play bass in a band i'm like oh oh yeah here we go i love it i love mm-hmm. playing bass it's such a good feeling it's so much fun as per, when you've always played the guitar for the most part to get to sit back and play another role is absolutely i mean the bass is more fun than the guitar i think it's oh, more, man, that makes my whole. <laughs> I mean, maybe because I'm not used to it, but the role of a bass player, I think, is more fun in the moment of being on oh, stage. I... You're more in the groove with the current experience. My experience is playing guitar is I'm much more inwardly focused. Mm-hmm. And I know right. we've talked about you know focusing on your parts, but I feel like the bass, you get to be focused on the band and the overall sound a little bit more than if you're. Oh yeah playing a solo singing lyrics and focus on your breathing and your voice and you can't you're in the front so you can't see the band as well right so i agree anybody out there who sorry go ahead oh no i was just gonna say i just agree and i mean uh i i don't know the in the moment thing that really really nailed it yeah so anybody who's out there who plays other instruments and you've just haven't thought about playing the bass much like give it a shot it's pick uh, up a bass man it's fun yeah. oh my gosh there's nothing like it if you need yeah. lessons hit up the bass bandicoot uh yeah, yeah. I'll have them out soon uh again i'll have uh my hip-hop album out in february uh thank you guys so much for having me on this has been awesome dude yeah no thank you we'll definitely have you on in the future man yeah, it's, it's, yeah. all right much love right. yeah thank you adios all right have a good one guys